Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 153 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 17th, 2011. Happy Martin Luther King Day to everyone out there. We've got a good show for you this week on the podcast. Of course, recruiting is continuing to heat up. USC had their biggest visit weekend, actually in years. It's definitely the biggest for Lane Kiffin in his career at USC as a head coach, and it's probably the biggest recruiting weekend in years. 20-plus guys were visiting officially the USC campus this weekend. It was absolutely gorgeous here in Los Angeles, around 80 degrees or so. So it was a great time to get a lot of -of out-of-state players coming in for the weekend. We'll have updates with that with Gerard Martinez coming up later on the show. And, of course, we got Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. We're going to talk to him about the team. we got some of your questions. If you do have any questions or comments, we love them. We like to answer them. Drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can actually call us, 206-888. 6755. We got three voicemails to get to on the show. So lots we want to talk about about the USC football team in this beginning of 2011. And we love talking to Coach Harvey Hyde. As always, Coach, how are you, sir? Ryan, I'm ready to go, buddy. I'll tell you, when February 2nd rolls around and you get those national letter of intents come over the fax lines, you know, everybody's celebrating and so on. I, I can't, uh, those are big days for uh, football programs and young kids that have the opportunity to have a dream come true and go to a four-year uh, university. And how about the parents? You don't think that's an excitement for them? They just got a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> they just got a huge pay raise because now their son or daughter gets an opportunity to go to college and all this money they've saved and so on, they get to say, wow, we're going to take a vacation or something. <laughs> but uh, it's a heck of a period of time as you get ready now for a national letter of intent on February the 2nd. So, Ryan, you know, I, I used to love to recruit. So this is an exciting time of the year for me. It certainly is. And people that don't really know what I do all that well, they're like, oh, you cover the football team. It must be slow right now when they don't understand. No, January is the busiest month we get. I mean, that's it's the most crazy time of the year just because, you know, everything leading up to National Signing Day. I mean, this is really when – you st- you know, people make that comment, oh, the cupboards were bare. This is the time when you make sure the cupboards aren't bare. You get that talent into the program, and the fans really love it. I mean, the, the diehard fans, the fans that know what's going on, that follow recruiting. And if you don't, it's definitely something you should look into. This is where the, the stars are made, the Reggie Bushes of the world or the, the Matt Liners, the Carson Palmers. They were big-time recruits. You know, you come into the program, and boom, and then all of a sudden they sign. You start watching them through the off-season workouts, spring football, fall camp, and all that. And then they become stars on the on Saturdays. Well, I'll tell you what happens, buddy. It's like joining the service. Before you join the service, everybody loves you, and they put their arm around you and everything. After you sign that national letter of intent and you hit the field, it's, hey, coach, you changed a little bit. You used, used to talk to me differently. I say, I still love you, son. I still love you. But we got to win here. And you're not getting this education, this scholarship for just standing around and watching we got to put it together. But it's all part of growing up, and I think it's great discipline for kids, and it's a great great opportunity for them and their parents to see young people achieve a goal and uh, have an opportunity to play at any level, any level, but to go on and, and uh, continue to play on Saturday uh, after playing on Friday for so many years as far as on the high school level. So it's a big time of the year, and it's exciting to see who's getting who and who decommits and who changes and so on. And it, you don't really have someone until that fax comes through, Ryan. They can change at the last second. Yeah, the USC's fans seen that before both ways. So it's it's going to be definitely an interesting time in the next few weeks leading up to signing day. I wanted to thank our sponsor for this segment, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287 if you want to see the Lakers or the, or the Clippers who are uh, – Coming on strong, just beat the Lakers yesterday. Um, and Blake Griffin's just fun to watch. I think he's probably worth the price of admission right there. But any kind of sporting events, concerts, theater, things like that, you want to get a gift for somebody in your life, definitely check out sctickets.com. They've been nice enough to sponsor us. Going on almost three years now, Coach, we've been doing the podcast. I think our, 
our anniversary is around signing day. So yeah, we're episode one fifty three. We're we're approaching that three year mark. Pretty ridiculous. Ryan, don't worry about it. My agent will be calling you. Okay, <laughs> my agent will be calling you. And we'll be going into some uh, negotiations. Sweet. Well, the I could put all the <laughs> revenue that this the podcast. <laughs> cast makes i'll give you half how's that <laughs> well i know it's just rolling in buddy just rolling in but uh we thank all the listeners that do listen we can tell we have a lot of fun doing this segment and and try to answer your questions and we appreciate all of you that do call in or email in a question and so on because it's uh part of what we love doing uh, giving you our opinion on what's going on certainly it is coach and we got we got a few questions like i said this week first one is a uh a voicemail question actually on kind of the the coaching side of things, this is all, you know, it's time for recruiting, but there's also a time for coaches changing jobs or, or moving from, you know, one job to another. And some, has it been a lot of talk about USC assistants moving? There's been some, um, Willie Mac Garza has been going around Twitter space a little bit. He's a defensive back coach. Uh, Texas just lost their defensive back coach to Arizona and Willie Mac Garza, you know, played at Texas. So his name's come up, but we haven't seen too many names come up mostly because there has been such a large turnover last year. There were so many coaches turnover last year, but here's a name that keeps coming up and it has been coming up for years. Coach, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's any chance that we can get Norm Chow. Um, I know UCLA has to pay him if they let him go. I'd like to hire him for minimum wage and have UCLA pay him. And I, I thought we never should have let him go in the first place because it was working. You know, you don't, you don't, mess with something that's working but that's the way it went anyway this is uh, doug at the top of the grapevine and um let me know what you think the chances are that we get norm chow thank you well first of all let me tell you i, I love norm chow as an individual as a coach as uh, just a person in general he's a he's a great individual and a great coach and i really think he's being wasted currently right now at ucla and what i mean by this and i'm not going to dash a program by saying this but you, when you get Norm Chow as your offensive coordinator, you let Norm Chow do what Norm Chow knows what to do best. That's why you have him on your staff. And this past year at UCLA, for some reason, they run it, wanted to run the pistol offense, and that's not Norm Chow. You don't have Norm Chow on your staff to run the pistol offense. If Rick Neuheisel wants to run the pistol offense, and he's the head coach, you can do whatever you want. So get somebody from Nevada, Reno, or somewhere that – design this offense, and you let him be your offensive coordinator. If I was Norm Chow, I'd do exactly what you, what, what you just suggested. I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't go to Utah. He just signed a two-year extension for half a million a year. UCLA owes him a million dollars. And I really feel bad the way, actually, he's being treated by UCLA. He's not given the respect that he should have as an offensive coordinator. He's paid his dues. He's the guy that's... Uh, that can run an offense, but you have, you have him to do that. And as far as USC is concerned, I don't know if that could happen. I don't know if Lane Kiffin would want that to happen. When you look at the offense currently that USC is running, it's very similar to that of Norm's chat, Norm Charles. I think that they would be a better football program, not that Lane Kiffin can't run the offense, but I think as a head football coach, you have so many hats to wear, so many different hats to wear as far as being a part of the offense, the defense, the media, recruiting, all the different things, alumni groups and things you do, it's very difficult to be an offensive coordinator, call plays, and then be in charge of the game and, and management of the game, time clocks and timeouts and when you throw the red flag and all of that. You get distracted. You get focused too much in one area. I would think it would be a great hire if Norm Chow would come back to USC. I think he'd really bring back a lot of excitement among the USC alumni. I think he'd bring back a lot of confidence on the offensive side of the football, and I think it'd be a real plus. I really do. Now, as far as the contract situation, you're exactly right. UCLA would pay the majority of his uh, salary. If, say, he signed for $100,000 to coach at USC, UCLA would have to pay the remaining $400,000 out of their budget. Anything, Any difference in what his contract is, UCLA has to make up the difference. But uh, will that happen at USC? I don't know. Uh, is there going to be movement on the USC side of the football, offensive side of the football? I don't know. But if I'm Nora, Norm, I wouldn't be moving anywhere, and I wouldn't be quitting. If they want to get rid of me, I'd make them fire me and pay me. So that's how I feel about Norm Chow. I think he's a huge, superhuman being and a great football coach. 
Yeah, so the, the way I understand it, if, I mean, it looks like he's probably going to Utah, but it hasn't been set yet. If he quits, he gets nothing. If he's fired, then, you know, a place like Utah, they don't pay their assistants hardly anything. Like, he he made as much as their top four assistants combined over at Utah, so he would probably get a, a similar small salary there, and then UCLA would kind of pay the difference. Similar to what happened when he left, you know, when the Titans let him go, the Titans were paying the majority of his salary when he went to UCLA. So it's, it's kind of a, a similar thing like that. But it's very, it's eerily similar to what happened at, at USC for Norm Chow, where uh, Coach Carroll basically promoted guys on the staff, you know, like the Lane Kiffins and uh, you know of the world or whatever, and then didn't. It, it kind of forced Chow out. I mean, that's kind of the same thing of what the Bruins are doing. Um, you know, bringing on Mike Johnson. Then it's kind of like, well, is Norm Chow demoted? What's going on there? Is he calling the plays? It it just seems like it's very similar to what's going on there. I, I think he'd be great at USC again. I mean, it, it was definitely great there, but he's got to be in the right situation. And like you mentioned, Coach, it really wasn't the right situation at UCLA. No, it isn't. And, uh, you know, when you have a head coach that likes to run the offense and you have an offensive coordinator like Norm Chow, you know, there's a lot of clashing that's going on behind the scenes and during the game and so on, second-guessing and so on. It just doesn't work. You saw it happen at, uh, with Charlie Wise at Kansas City. You know, think of this. Uh, what if Norm Chow went back to Tennessee, worked with Jeff Fisher, and they uh, signed Matt Leinhart? You know, they wanted him in the first place down there. The owner's the one that wanted Vince Young. If Matt was to come back and work real hard and play for Norm and Jeff Fisher down there, that might be a great opportunity for both of them. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that would be a great opportunity for Matt and Norm to get back into it with Jeff Fisher and uh, get it going again down there in Tennessee. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm a Norm Chow fan, and wherever Norm ends up, I'm going to cheer for him. All right. We will as well. Uh, Good luck to Norm wherever he ends up. Doesn't look like it's going to be at USC, Doug. Sorry about that. But who knows, you know. We'll see what, what happens. College football is crazy. Anything can happen. Uh, Mark had a question. He wanted you to comment, Coach, on what would have happened if the Pac-10, uh, what would have happened, I'm sorry, in the Pac-10, if an Oregon defensive player had hit Mike Dyer while he was on top of Ed Pleasant with a shoulder? My guess is that a flag would have been thrown. What do you think about that? Like, let's talk about the national championship game there. I understand what you're saying. You're saying... Uh, would it have been a late hit? Uh, you know, without the whistle being blown, it probably wouldn't have been a late hit because officially he wasn't down. No one blew a whistle, so how can it be a late hit? But, uh, you know, uh, that's something that uh, is, I don't know how to say, that those things happen in football. Everyone assumed the play was over, but it wasn't over. So the game's never done until the game's done. The play's never done until the play is done. In that situation, you can do a lot of teaching on that, uh, and uh, it's a hard way to, to learn to lose a football game. And I'm not saying the University of Oregon lost a football game on that, but it certainly didn't help them win it. But uh, those things happen, and uh, as far as Dyer's concerned, uh, he listened to the sideline. The sideline told him to run with the football. He did, and picked up 37 yards, which helped them win that football game in the national championship. But... Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, you know, that's a funny play. Uh, I don't know how the officials all agreed on that. You would think one of the officials would have blown the whistle, but they didn't. So they clearly, whoever was in charge of that, used their uh, mechanics properly as far as one of the side headlinesmen or whatever and saw that play the way it was correct. And, uh, damn, I, I tell you, but if he'd have hit him, no, it couldn't have been. A penalty. It couldn't have been because there was no whistleblower. Now that would have been a good argument, though. That would have been one heck of an argument. Well, that's when that's one of the issues I have. It, it, it's pretty much happening at all levels of football, coach. When you have a guy that's like takes a half a step out of bounds and gets hit, they throw a flag. Or if you saw someone jump on on a player that appeared to be down, lying on top of someone else, they could easily call some sort of penalty there. And but when you look at it, the guy, you know, there's so many guys that can plant before they go out of bounds and, and cut back in and make a big play out of it. You've seen plays happen where guys are trying to avoid penalties, trying to avoid fines in the NFL, and then the guy isn't down and makes a huge play afterwards. And, and as a defender, it's almost like there's nothing you can do because if you hit the guy, 
you're going to get penalized or or fined or something like that. And if you don't, he's capable of getting up and making a big play. It seems like they're putting these defensive players in the heat of the moment in really tough spots at times. Well, the offense always has the advantage. I mean, an offensive running back can put his head down and run straight ahead into you full speed with his dent head down and hit you in the head, and there's no penalty. Or, you know, uh, you can go down the sideline and, as you mentioned, cut back, and uh, you could go for a touchdown. And if you don't knock him out of bounds, you've got to be careful how you knock him out of bounds. It's the effort you do as far as knocking him out of bounds it, and a judgment call by the official on whether it was unnecessary, the way you knocked him out of bounds. Uh, you're taking away a lot of what you used to teach in football, and that's play aggressively, tackle hard, knock a guy out when you have that chance as long as it's legal, legal. No one wants to see anyone become injured, no one. But it, it's now where it's really gone and swung towards the offensive side of the football as far as protecting the offensive football player over the defensive football player, and it's a very difficult thing to make those calls, and I hate to see these judgment calls make differences in football games. Just like that celebration rule in the Kansas State game this year, the kid caught the ball in the end zone, turned around, and just saluted the crowd. Saluted the crowd. That's the only thing he did, and the official threw a flag for unnecessary celebration. They were going for two points, and instead of going for two points, Kansas State on the two-yard line, they went on the 17-yard line and lost the football game 36-34. Now, that's, that's not the way football games are supposed to be decided in a judgment call like that, and that should have been overlooked by that official, but that isn't what you call taunting. That is just sort of showing, damn, we got in here, we got a chance. And it's very hard to control your emotion. I, I know I do. I, why do. Why do people storm the field and the court after a basketball game when there's a big victory. Why? Is that a celebration rule? Should they throw a flag if, if fans go on the field? It's because the emotion of the game, your emotion uh, takes you to do those things and celebrate. Well, players have that same emotion as fans do. So, you know, it's very difficult to have these judgment calls. And next year, Ryan, it's even going to be worse. Because they, did a year, they did a year this year to teach the players that any time you celebrate uh, running the football anywhere on the field, they're going to throw a flag, come back, mark it there. Touchdown's not going to score or count if you scored, and mark a 15-yard penalty. Wow, I'm going to. I think they're take, going a little bit too far in some of this. That's my opinion, anyway. I agree with you, Coach. Um, well, let's see. Well, I want to get to uh, one last question before it's a. You know, Guy, our friend Guy, loves you, Coach. He's a big fan of yours. Can be a little uh, long with it at times, so we'll let you. We'll let this one go here. But it's uh, it's an interesting question about the talent USC has right now. Hello, uh, Ryan and uh, company. If this is not completely devoted to uh, recruiting, by the way, my name is Guy or F. Soons. If this is not uh, um, completely a, a recruiting deal this week, then I have some questions, or at least one question for uh, Coach Hyde. Uh, I just like to run down here a drum roll of talent we have on O. Uh, consider and some likely uh, recruits: Robert Woods, Bryce Butler, uh, Brandon Carswell, Kyle Prater, George Farmer if he signs, Marquis Ambles if he returns, Devon Flournoy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, is this uh, some sort of uh, a cast of talent that we should? Uh, Cry! Oh well, we're on uh, uh, we're on sanctions over. I mean, I, I think this is enough to work with, uh, considering <clears throat> our uh, current pool of talent, even on the O line, and, and especially though at quarterback, I think O line is not that as weak as or as uh, thin as people say, but that's not the point. We have you know, one of the best quarterbacks and a bunch of guys behind him. If we can't get something done on uh, uh, significant on, on offense this year, well, well, I mean, is, I mean, it, it does uh, Kiff and company, do they have a, an excuse for this? Can they come up with some excuse? I mean, Baxter, D.J. Morgan, Moody McNeil, Telfer, Grimble, uh, Ellison, Christian Thomas, this is not some uh, weak 
uh, cast, in my opinion. So that, well, you know, it's yeah. Go ahead. It's it's not the numbers that you have; it's the talent level that you have. Numbers only help you as far as in preparation with scout teams and so on, and of course, if you have injuries. What he's mentioning, Ryan, is exactly the truth. They're, those are all four- and five-star players, a couple of three-star players called in there, that are thrown in there that are tremendous athletes. And uh, obviously, if utilized properly in a scheme of an offense, uh, should be as good as anybody in the country. I don't know uh, if there's anybody in the country that has better skilled athletes than USC. Now, obviously, Florida, Alabama, they got great athletes. But USC certainly has a reservoir of great skilled receivers, running backs, and so on. In this recruiting year, they're also getting more commitments like George Farmer and so on if they do sign Carlisle, this new running back that just committed this past weekend, that are great players, not to mention Dylan Baxter and so on. So what it comes down to is how you utilize these players. If you're thin in the offensive line, then you've got to find a way to uh, block and have blocking schemes where you keep the defense off balance by the tremendous passing game and you, you pass first and run second. You don't try to blow out people with these type of skilled players. You try to utilize them on one-on-one situations and then you also have draws and screens and you put backs and in, in the seams and in the flats and down the middle and circles and crossing routes and bootlegs and deep post patterns and so on to really make it very difficult for a defense to get in a rhythm. And you have a lot of hot patterns that you use. Obviously, the offensive line is down in numbers, so you have to be really careful on, on how you utilize them as far as getting the, the most out of them. If you remember the way Lavelle Edwards started the BYU program, he had great quarterbacks, a great offensive scheme by throwing the football, and his run came off of the pass. That's where Norm Chow and all of those guys developed the Jim McMahon and all the Heisman Trophy quarterbacks and all those quarterbacks that played at BYU. I would think that SC could use that same philosophy this year or two until next year is going to be a great recruiting year for offensive linemen as far as in high school. Until they can come back out and get back into what they need to do as far as to win. And But I would, I would say that you've got to utilize your personnel. You've got to utilize what you have and be smart enough as a coach to take advantage of the great players you have to match up one-on-one situations and put your offensive linemen in a position where they can win also by keeping the defensive scheme of things on what they're trying to do off balance. If you blitz, you do this. They can't get to the quarterback. You go to three steps, uh, three-step drops and hit the hot receivers. There's, there's things you've got to do to take advantage, and I think SC's got great athletes. They just don't have numbers. They're going to have a great recruiting year this year, but the way you evaluate a recruiting year is if you fill your needs. And I don't see them so far filling their needs at linebacker and offensive lineman. They're getting a lot, again, great skilled players, but they haven't got a lot of linebackers who's committed and offensive linemen. Where's the beef? That's what they need. <laughs> Get yep, some more yep. of that. But you can still win with these kids. These kids are great athletes. You just got to do things whether you put them in a situation where you can win. All right, Coach. Well, we really appreciate it, and thanks to all the questions that came in out there. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the near future about all everything that's going on with uh, this football team. And the, the, the workouts are going to be starting, the winter workouts and stuff, so we'll be able to get some updates on players and how they look, especially the new enrollees and things like that. But looking forward to talking to you again, Coach, and thanks again for joining us. Ryan, thank you, and I can't wait to get updates from you too All right, on how yes. some of these new quarterbacks, the two Nordic new quarterbacks, are in school, and it's going to be great to hear what your opinion is. Okay, buddy. Sweet, thanks, Coach, and uh, thanks to Southern California Tickets and everyone else. We'll be back in thirty seconds. Lots of recruiting questions to get to with Gerard Martinez. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Parastyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. 
now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have Gerard Martinez, USAFootball.com National Recruiting Analyst, joining us right now on the phone via Skype. Gerard, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, overworked, but that's okay because it's the time of year and we all expect it. And that's what the fans want. They want me working hard, giving them the latest updates on all of USC's official visitors and targets coming down the stretch to signing day 2011. Yes, it's a big day. Obviously, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff has been going on. I don't remember a recruiting weekend that had quite as many official visitors as this past one for, for USC, Lane Kiffin, and the Chargers. I mean, when's the last time you had... 20 north of 20 guys coming in on an official visit like that never there's never been as far as i've been covering usc there's never been more than i think a dozen official visitors and you had more than a dozen official visitors uh just counting the guys that were uncommitted uh this weekend so yeah it's it's never happened it's definitely a big splash it's definitely a statement you know from this coaching staff that uh you know, despite everything that's gone on with sanctions and even maybe at this point in year, uh, they're going to continue to recruit hard and continue to try to bring in, you know, one of the nation's best classes. I think they're number four overall in the national team rankings right now, and uh, they've still got uh, a few more guys that they can definitely get committed. So we'll see them definitely contend for maybe the top spot this year. Wow, pretty impressive if uh, Lane can kind of close. There's another, you know, be another big weekend this weekend coming up, and, you know, just trying to get those last few guys to to commit and then eventually sign on signing day but i don't think if you were going to bring in a whole bunch of guys into to los angeles over a weekend i don't know if they would have picked a better weekend than this past weekend i mean there was no basketball games and things to go to but it was absolutely gorgeous in la like 80 degrees even warm up you know i'm down at the beach it was warm down here it had to be warm downtown it, it, it must have been just the perfect time to bring in so many guys especially so many out-of-state guys yeah, definitely, and it has been a little bit of something that's plagued them with a couple of the you know the visit weekends that they've had, where they brought in out of state guys. It's been raining actually, you know, almost every weekend. I mean, I remember Harvey Lange came in, and that whole week it rained basically. So this was like the first weekend where you really had kind of that uh, typical California weather, that sunshine, and a lot of those guys from back east uh, that came in were definitely feeling it a lot. Some guys coming in from the Midwest, guys coming in from the East Coast, and they're buried in a, you know, a foot of snow. So uh, definitely was uh, fun for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I was loving it. I, I, if I wasn't here, I would have moved here all over again just because <laughs> it, so, it was so nice out there. Well, one of the drawbacks, we had an interesting question. Um, this one's from David about recruiting. If you have a question, again, podcast at uscfootball.com uh, is our email address. You can send us in questions there. He wanted to know, while I guess USC wanted to make a big splash with the two dozen or so visitors this weekend, isn't having all those guys at once counterproductive in two ways. One, the coaches have less time to spend with each of them, and the players seem to crave personal attention. And two, players who would seem very likely to go elsewhere can sway some of those kids away from going to USC. What do you, how do you comment on those questions there? I think those are definitely valid points. Um, the counter to that argument is that it becomes a real event. And this is kind of what I've gotten from a lot of the kids thus far who were at USC and, and had you know, the the visit and, and kind of spent time with just the group in and of itself. I think a lot of the committed guys won't really go into USC to necessarily, you know, be swayed or be loved up. I think they've been there a lot and they kind of know what USC is about. They know the coaching staff and they're pretty solid in their commitments. Greg Townsend, uh, Antoine Woods, uh, DeAnthony Thomas, um, you know, uh, a, a guy like uh, Greg Townsend who we interviewed and he talked about being a recruiter and really being part of the staff and that, you know, he was in other kids' ears that were uncommitted or committed to other schools and trying to get to the USC. Well, you know, the coaching staff doesn't have to worry about Greg Townsend. He's pretty solid and uh, he's a guy that's actually going to be helping them instead of hurting them as far as, you know, trying to give attention and trying to be able to placate during the weekend. So I think you do have that issue where maybe some kids, they want that one-on-one attention the whole time and, and maybe, you know, they want to be able to, to be with a coach and, and be with their host and kind of have a a visit where they feel like, you know, it's all about them and not necessarily about other people. But at the same time, there's also kids who really enjoy just the atmosphere of so many other talented players. And really, USC brought in almost like a miniature recruiting class in and of itself just this weekend. I mean, you had 22 
official visitors, and you had 23 counting Amir Carlisle, who committed this weekend to USC. He was down there kind of enjoying the festivities uh, Friday and Saturday and hanging out with the coaches and ends up committing. You have those guys all kind of together, and then, you know, they start talking about, hey, man, what if we all decided to play on the same team? What if we all decided to be a part of the same recruiting class? And if you can get them on the same page and get them excited, sometimes that momentum can sway guys your way. I think there's definitely a valid point about other kids kind of maybe having alternative agendas that they come in and they want to talk about the schools that they're committed to and they want to kind of try to push kids and sway kids uh, to maybe go in somewhere else that already committed to USC on a visit like that. I think USC did a good job of kind of filtering some of those guys. I know Devon Blackman was a kid that there was some talk maybe he was going to officially visit USC this weekend, and that didn't happen. And I think that was really because the coaching staff had a heads up. They felt like, you know, this is a kid that's committed to Oregon, committed to Oregon on national television, had never really been to USC unofficially since last February, really. I think he came down to a couple of the basketball games, the initial meet and greet with the new coaching staff. But during the year, he never came to any games. He didn't camp at USC. Um, he, he really was a no-show for the events. And I think, you know, how much interest can a kid have if he never really unofficially shows up to USC and he lives not too far away? I mean, an hour, hour and a half. You could still, if you're very interested in USC, come down unofficially and it never happened. So I think they felt like, you know, they were spinning their wheels on that one. Um, they brought in some kids from out of state from Florida uh, that probably aren't going to really seriously look at USC. Um, but again, you're kind of trying to see if you can build some momentum. And I think there's no threat for those guys that are across, you know, the, 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 the country to kind of come in and get anybody's ear and sway a kid to Florida state or, or some other school where none of these guys that are committed to USC at this point, or even, just visiting USC as targets are looking at those schools that they're committed to. So I think um, I think it was just a, 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 a an atmosphere that was you know created by the coaching staff, and they wanted to make it a big thing, an exciting thing, and and I, I think they did that. I think they accomplished that. I think they definitely it was a good weekend. Um, you know. Would it have been better if they would have brought kids in individually and and done it you know in a more spread out manner? I guess that's you could kind of argue either way. I think, um, quite frankly, I think the kids that like USC at this point and feel like they're going to commit to USC are going to commit regardless. I think it doesn't really matter how many kids are coming in during you know a particular weekend uh, or recruiting event. I, I kind of think that uh, this just kind of solidifies um, and it helps kind of bond some of those guys that are already committed and uh, and, and maybe just build some rapport uh, with the guys that uh, are are really heavy looking at USC in the future. Yeah, the uh, I mean, David, I think you bring up some very good points, and I just I wasn't sure either. And I, you know, got to listen to your interview with uh, Kent Tureen, the uh, linebacker out of uh, Florida, and who's been a longtime USC commit, and um, you know, he still says he's committed, but he's kind of he's he's open to he's going to go to some more visits and stuff like that. But the fact about bringing all those guys in, I mean, he was he he said as much that it was kind of like an event there where it was cool to have you're at a great school, but you're with all these other great players. And I think just having those guys around you, for whatever reason, it made it feel different than like other official visits where there may be just a handful of guys. I, I, I guess I wouldn't have thought of that, but those players seem to think that having all those guys in at once seems to be a big deal. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's one of those things where you know, maybe you you have a guy that comes in, and, and I'll throw a name out there of, of someone that I heard didn't necessarily have maybe the greatest time. Enrique Florence, who's a safety out of Alabama. He's looking at Alabama, Auburn, USC. Uh, I think that a kid like that, you know, maybe he doesn't have a good time. He kind of strays away from the pack. And coaching staffs can read that. You know, it's like instead of having a guy one-on-one and you're working him one-on-one and you're trying to read him, sometimes you just let him kind of – migrate towards the pack or necessarily kind of get away from everybody and, and, and kind of do his own thing. And that gives you, I think as a coach, a good idea. Well, this guy, does he really want to be a part of what's happening here? Does he really want to be a part of this event? Or is he a guy that's kind of keeping to himself because maybe he's already got his mind made up of going somewhere else and, and doesn't really want to relate to the guys that are on this visit. So that's kind of, you know, allowing recruits to be in their natural environment because let's face it, Football is a team sport, and football is a team sport where you've got a lot of guys that are always together. The egos clash. You've got to have some chemistry. When you're being at a, a, a big recruiting weekend like this when you have so many guys, that's more what you're going to see from these kids and these players having to be together, and, and that's their natural environment. It's not the one-on-one thing. I mean, 
you know, these kids come in, they, they sign, they become football players for USC or for any other college, the one-on-one time they have with coaches, it's few and far between. That's not really realistic. That's not how it happens. That's not football. So when you bring guys in on an event like this, it's really like a miniature football team, and you kind of get to see these kids and kind of observe them and how they react and how they act with some of the other guys that are committed and some of the other guys that may not be committed but seem to be kind of uh, – they're kind of warming up to the to the commits and warming up to just the, the, the kind of flow of things. And you start to see a guy like Enrique Florence – Kind of go off to his, you know, to his own devices a little bit, and kind of stray from the pack, and kind of do his own thing. You go, hmm, that's an interesting read. That's something that you know, maybe the coaching staff can kind of take a step back and go, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't put many eggs in that basket because he seems like he's not necessarily bonding with everybody else. So you know, you kind of can create a little bit of a of a situation where it maybe gives you a better read on who you got a shot at and who you don't. All right. Uh, well, let's get to a voicemail question. Again, if you have a, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 206-888-6755 is our number, or you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Here's a question about a local recruit, Gerard. Hello, guys. This is Martin calling from East Norton, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. I have a question for Gerard regarding linebacker Joe Schmidt from Modern Day High School. I know we had just had a couple of official visitors in Lamar Dawson and Anthony Sorrell, a couple of more high-profile linebackers I'd like to see us get. But I also would like to see Joe Schmidt come to USC. He seems to be one of these kids that if he doesn't end up at USC, he'll end up, uh, we'll end up regretting it. He seems like one of these kids in the past that had their hearts set on USC, but then we don't offer him, and he ends up somewhere like, say, Oregon State, and kind of uh, puts it to us for three or four years. Is there any chance we're going to, Offer Joe Schmidt because I really like to see him in addition to Dawson and some of these other guys. I look forward to hearing your response and keep up all the good work on uscfootball.com. Thank you. Well, that's a great question, um, and I totally 100,000% agree. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Joe Schmidt. I've seen him play a few times in person. He stand, he's, he's always a standout guy. He's always a guy that uh, has made a lot of tackles, probably not the 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 greatest athleticism in the world, and I think that's why he hasn't got a ton of offers from a lot of schools. But he is a guy that you see go to Pac-10 schools and, you know, is kind of overlooked and all of a sudden kind of comes back to really be a player that, that beats USC or, or helps, you know, be able to compete against USC. And you go, man, what, why wasn't USC on that guy? Will they offer him? That remains to be seen, I, I think, at this point it looks like they're looking at the other options of guys that they've already offered, bringing them on visits and really you know, kind of pushing. Um, you know, Schmidt's getting a lot of look from Stanford right now. And uh, with the coaching change now, that could be, a, you know, there could be a change there. Um, you know, Faggio is now going to the 49ers, and that was kind of a big deal with a lot of the recruits. And as far as, far as the recruiting board goes, Stanford's going to have to kind of hurry up and get some coaches in there, and they may not see the same things uh, that the past coaches saw in Joe Schmidt. They may not be familiar with him, and he's a guy you've got to watch um, a few times to really, I think, appreciate kind of what he does and how he plays, and you have to kind of have an envision the role for him. Um, so that's going to kind of, you know, be up in the air. I, I think Air Force is also there. I think that's one school that actually has offered. Um, he has a couple lower-tier offers, I think, at this point, uh, we're kind of have to see if USC just wants him to come as a walk-on. I personally think that he's a scholarship-level player, and uh, you know he could be a guy that Stanford, you know, decides at the last minute to offer scholarship. And if he does, you know, I can't, you can't, uh, can't be disappointed with the kid, uh, you know, taking that and turning down USC as a walk-on. So we'll see how it goes. But right now, you know, he still doesn't have an offer. But I agree, you know, 100%. He's definitely a really good player. He's a player that I think is USC fan. I would definitely like to see in the class. All right. And uh, we got Ed sent in a, a rather long email Ed from San Diego. And we had a question from Evan as well about some specific guys. So maybe we'll go through not not super rapid fire, but we'll kind of give, you know, a few minutes on each dude or something or a couple minutes or a minute or so on some of these guys. Uh, Evan wanted to know about Cyrus, uh, Cyrus Quandro and uh, Ed also as well. He said suspect with his cancellation of his official visit to Iowa. His recruiting process is done. He will announce for Alabama. That's what some people are saying. What is your take on that big offensive tackle? If he doesn't officially visit USC, then that's 100% correct. Uh, that's kind of what remains to be seen. He says that 
he's kind of got another uh, spot left and that he's deciding between a few different schools, you know, where he wants to go. Does he want to go to USC? Does he want to reschedule the trip to Iowa? Um, that's kind of left open in the open, and we'll have to see what happens with that. That If he doesn't visit USC, then, yeah, I mean, the, the writing is on the wall, and I think at this point um, you have to give Alabama the clear lead uh, for him just because his brother Ari is already at Alabama. And Alabama's got a – I mean, they got a fantastic offensive line class, uh, and they're they're really kind of dialed in. Um, with with a lot of really good offensive linemen still on the board, so we'll see how it goes. But I mean, you know, that's kind of the the assumption. You know, if he if he's not going to visit USC, USC has no chance. So um, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens here. All right. And uh, next one I want to talk about is a defensive tackle from Taft. Antoine Woods is supposed to be visiting Miami after this weekend. Is he going to stick with USC? He's going to stick with USC. There's actually a pretty large faction of uh, USC commits going to be <laughs> visiting Miami next weekend. That's Brennan Carroll. Brennan Carroll trying to uh, use his uh, Los Angeles ties uh, to get, you know, guys talking about the U and getting interested in maybe coming cross country, which is interesting because, you know, you figure you got a lot of talent in Florida and everybody brags in the SEC about how great the talent is in Florida. And here's, you, you know, Miami going out and offering a whole bunch of kids from uh, from Southern California. They're trying to get Mustafa Jalil in on an official visit. Uh, they're going to be bringing in Greg Townsend, George Farmer, um, Antoine Woods. Uh, there's, uh, I think, uh, Jason Gibson also uh, coming in on an official visit, Marquise Lee coming in on an official visit. So they literally next weekend are going to have probably seven, maybe eight guys from California officially visiting. So uh, they're, they're going after them hard. Um, I would n- I'd be absolutely stunned if uh, Greg Townsend or Antoine Woods um, or George Farmer or those guys really you know considered Miami seriously. I think it's a little late in the game and and it's just not going to happen. They may have a shot with Marquise Lee. You kind of never know with Marquise kind of what he's thinking. Um, there's some potential there. Maybe he might you know give Miami a longer look. But I think most of those guys are probably going to stay on the West Coast. Oh, okay. Uh, then what, linebacker, we already mentioned Kent Tureen. He's visiting, uh, according to Eddie, he's visiting two schools after USC. Actually, he's visiting three schools he's after USC. He's visiting three schools, and this is kind of an interesting thing because you don't hear it very much. He, he's actually trying to get in two official visits on the same weekend. So uh, this next weekend coming up, he's coming from USC. He's already visiting Nebraska. This next weekend coming up, he wants to try to visit uh, he's going to visit, well, this is what he says, Georgia, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and then he's going to have a midweek official visit with Tennessee. And I, don't ask me how you're able to get all this in when you got school and all these other things, but uh, he also was a kid that was in summer school and apparently you know, had an unofficial visit for a week out here in Los Angeles over the summer. He's got two official visits that he's trying to squeeze in on on the next week coming up here, the 21st through, I guess it'd be like through the 25th or 26th almost. Um, And then he's got LSU or Louisville for January 28th, the last official visit weekend. So we're going to kind of see what happens here. I mean, as you said earlier in the podcast, just talking about him and kind of where he stands with USC as a committed prospect. You know, he was, I think, the only way I could put it, very uncommitted to being committed in that conversation. And he just didn't seem to want to say, yeah, I'm, I really like USC, they're my leader. Or, yeah, USC is my number one, And but everybody else has a shot. I'm just exploring my options. He was really just uncommittal about uh, talking about USC in any kind of way that, you know, put them out there as number one. I mean, at, at one point he said something to the effect that, you know, all my schools are even. And I said, well, wait, okay, are you still committed to USC verbally? Yeah. I said, okay, if you're committed to them verbally, then how can they be even with all your other schools that you're not committed to? And then he kind of stopped and thought about it. He said, well, USC is my leader, but all the schools have a chance at being so that kind of stuff makes you kind of think, you know, is this another Alshon Jeffrey situation? Um, I know SC fans are worried, and, and then you have the other SC fans are like, stop worrying, you guys always worry. This one is a little tricky to figure out. He's He's got something going on there where he really, I think, wants to see all these schools and really wants to make sure USC um, is a school for him. And, and you kind of think in the back of your head, man, you've been out here, 
for a week during the summer, hung out with the team, and were basically on campus the whole time. Then you come out on an official visit, and you're still not convinced. It just, I don't know, it, de- it definitely makes you hesitate a little bit trying to read between the lines. So we'll see what happens with Ken Shireen. But that's a, that is a kind of interesting, interesting situation, which, you know, it's going to come down to the wire. It just, it just seems like uh, they always do. <laughs> they seem to always do that. Um, guy we saw in San Antonio at the Army All-American Bowl, Linebacker Lamar Dawson. He wants to know: Does USC have a legitimate shot? They definitely have a legitimate shot. I think you know most of the kids that visit USC. USC has a legitimate shot. I mean, it's it's that school. It's it's the, the prestige and the tradition and the coaching staff just works incredibly hard. Um, you know, are they going to have a good shot? You know, legitimate and good <laughs> in my mind are two different things. I think that uh, distance is going to be a factor for them. And, you know, we'll kind of see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, you know, like I said with Tareen, linebacker is a position of need, and that's definitely going to be something that, uh, he will, you know, he, he likes the opportunity that he could have to play early at USC. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think, you know, distance is uh, immediately for him was going to be a factor. And uh, I tend to think that, you know, when they – when the kids say that they admit, you know, distance is a factor, then it's even a bigger factor. Um, sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, that doesn't matter to me. Uh, I don't really care. I can travel everywhere. I go to AAU, so it's not a big deal. But then you have to also remember that, while it may not be a big big deal for the kids to travel and be away from home, sometimes it's a big deal for their families. There's two, it's a two-way street there. It's, it's the kids themselves sometimes that can't be away from home and can't be away from their family and their support system. Sometimes it's the support system and the family that can't be away from the player and the kid. So, you know, you kind of have to look at that both ways. And I think with Lamar, um, he admitted, you know, that uh, being away from home is something that he's really got to think about. And that was true with USC and Oregon, who he also officially visited early in the year. All right. Uh, how about offensive lineman Cyrus Hobby? That's a UCLA commit. There's been a lot of talk about him recently, if he's going to switch over and, and pick USC. What are your thoughts on Hobby? Well, apparently, Greg Townsend Jr. actually tweeted that he committed to USC, which was interesting because evidently Greg Townsend hasn't uh, used his Twitter account in a long time. And I actually asked Greg about that, and he said no. And he wouldn't, necessarily, he wouldn't be a guy to go and tweet that somebody committed anyways. It's not kind of Greg Townsend's uh, disposition. That's not how he is. Cyrus Hobby is going to come down probably between ASU and USC. UCLA is still there. There's still potential. He's got some friends that go to UCLA that he's very, very close with. And UCLA was actually a leader for him for the majority of the recruiting process. And it seems like ASU's taken the lead. Um, there was some talk, you know, as I said, like maybe he committed this weekend. We did at least confirm that he did not commit. I mean, he at least said that, you know, he was not committed and didn't plan on making a commitment uh, this weekend at all um, to any school. And uh, I think he still has uh, another official visit uh, lined up. Um, I'm not, I can't remember if he's visited UCLA already or he's going to visit UCLA, uh, but um, I think he has another official visit still lined up. And we'll kind of wait and see how it goes. I mean, I, I think he had a good time. You know, it didn't seem like he, he didn't like USC. It definitely seemed like he, he, again, the opportunity here as far as playing time is pretty big for a lot of recruits. They see it. I mean, they see that the, the numbers for scholarships is down. I mean, at this point, what are there, 55 scholarships um, before the, the early enrollees come in? Uh, you know, that's crazy. I mean, that's, that's, there's a lot of playing time there available to some of these guys. But at the same time, you know, with Cyrus Hobby, it's kind of been a little bit of a soap opera with when he got offered and, and when the other schools offered him. And, and I think he felt a little bit uh, slighted in terms of uh, USC's offer because it came later in the summer. Most of his offers came earlier in the spring. So he kind of felt like he was being slow played a little bit. And it seems like USC has been chasing him ever since. They're trying to catch up to UCLA or ASU uh, the whole time. So, you know, we'll kind of see how, how it all pans out. And there's another guy that, again, I think he's got some visits coming up still that uh, we're not really going to know where he's going and what he wants to do uh, probably right up until signing day. So, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be one of those things where this class is not going to fill out uh, for a couple kids until signing day. And, you know, when you're when you're in sanctions and you're in the position that USC's in, you hate to leave it to the last minute like that because it can go either way for you. And in years past, it tends to go to you go towards USC more than against. This year, you know, it's a different situation. So, you know, I guess USC fans got to just cross their fingers. I think all the USC fans will be doing that as well. Lane Kiffin, the staff, everybody. It's, everyone's curious to see how this is going to turn out. And uh, I think you know, Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment talked about 
not just getting skill guys, but positions of need. And I think even though USC is ranked pretty high right now on Rivals.com rankings for schools, I, I don't think they've addressed some of those positions of need as much as they should have. And they're, they're going to keep trying to. Uh, one of the guys I think that could help out there, Ed, want to know about uh, Andre Walker, uh, the offensive tackle. What, what are your thoughts on him? Loved, loved his visit. He loved Los Angeles. He loved USC. He loved the coaches. He's the kind of guy that uh, I didn't get. Uh, he was just getting on his plane, didn't get to talk to him a lot. But I actually accidentally called him yesterday thinking he was going to be taken off, uh, headed out uh, to go back to Cleveland. But he actually came in later and didn't leave until today. Uh, it's you know three-day holiday with Martin Luther King uh, being today. And uh, so he didn't uh, leave until just today. But uh, loved the visit, was on the visit yesterday, and, and had a great time. Saturday was his birthday, so, you know, they went out Friday night and, and had a great time. And just I think he just loved everything about Los Angeles and USC, the playing time. But at the end of the day, again, we go back to the distance factor, and we go back to, you know, his family, and not necessarily what he wants, you know, if, is he, is he going to be a guy that can go away from his family, but can his family be away from him? And I had a very interesting kind of uh, observation there at the Army All-American game at the Hyatt Hotel, team hotel, you know, when some of the, the coaches and the, and the players are there, the coaches can come in right after the game, and they can have uh, kind of like an in-home visit almost there at the hotel. So you come down, and in the lobby after the game, it's a sea of assistant football coaches from all kinds of different schools. I mean, Oklahoma, Florida State, Notre Dame, you name it, Utah, they're all down there. And USC was there, and I could see that, you know, the, the, there was some conversation about USC, and, and there was some talk about USC, and uh, his mom was there. And I, I could tell just from afar his mom was not necessarily, I think, into that conversation about USC and <laughs> about him, uh, Andre, uh, going far away from home and uh, and playing away and and Glenville kids in general Ohio State I mean that is you just Ohio State they are Ohio State and then you look and see if there's a reason or some type of angle for the kid to go to another school and for and, and nine times out of ten they don't nine times out of ten the Glenville kids go to Ohio State and uh, there was a situation last year with uh, Latuan Anderson who was a five star safety who ended up going to Miami for a short period of time. Uh, and, 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 you know, that was – and the USC had a shot at him, and then the distance became a factor. He ended up going to Miami, and I think he's – I think left Miami at this point. I think I heard that he transferred out. He was supposedly going down there on a track scholarship, which was very curious in and of itself. Um, but then transferred out, and uh, – and he, but he was a kid that wasn't a natural Glenville kid. He wasn't a kid that actually went to Glenville and played at Glenville the whole time. He was a transfer from another school. So the kids that kind of born-bred Glenville kids tend to go to Ohio State – and Andre Walker, at this point, everybody thinks he's going to Ohio State. He probably would give USC a 16 out of 10 for his official visit and loved it so much. I can tell he's going to have rave reviews, but at the end of the day, it's going to be tough to get that kid away from Ohio. That's just uh, Those guys like to stay close to home. We have a, a story up on uh, his trip, too, to L.A. on uscfootball.com. We've had so many stories go up. It's, it's not on one of the pictured ones on the front page, but you can see it, the latest news up there, so you can check that out. As well, lots of uh, visit updates on uscfootball.com. Gerard's been frantically making phone calls, finding out where these guys are going. Uh, Two quick ones left before we let you go, Gerard. Uh, Offensive lineman Marcus Martin, a local kid, said just hasn't heard much about him over the last several months. What's his status? Still going to the USC. um, Still talked about taking a visit to Washington. Um, He was scheduled, I think, to come in to USC this weekend, have not gotten a hold of him. Um, there was actually some talk maybe he was going to go to Washington this weekend and actually uh, delay his visit to USC. So have to kind of get some more information on that. But sounds like he's still committed. And, I mean, he's, you know, really the, the, one of the only guys that's a, that's a prep actual high school uh, offensive lineman that's committed to USC that, uh, you know, USC kind of has in the back. So I, I think he's feeling pretty good about his position. Um, you know, obviously you could you know, look at guys like uh, Andre Walker or uh, Cyrus Quadro, um, you know, uh, Antonio Richardson, some of these other guys that could scare him off, uh, if you will. But at this point, you know, it doesn't look like USC necessarily has a greatest shot at those guys. So um, I think um, I think he's okay. You know, we'll, we'll check in on him. But uh, he's, um, you know, teammate of DeAnthony Thomas, and uh, DeAnthony wants to play running back, 
at USC, at least this week he does. Um, next week he could end up wanting to play, you know, who knows, a receiver. Uh, but, um, you know, it'd probably be a pretty good thing to have uh, one of his uh, top blockers in front of him. And, it, and, you know, those guys, definitely not a package deal. No one put it like that, but they're definitely close. And I think that whole inner city you know, Antoine Woods and Greg Townsend and, and Marcus Martin and, and DeAnthony Thomas, those guys are all very close and very tight. And I think that USC did a really good job of kind of building the class around those guys out. And I think you have to do that. I think in the current situation with sanctions, USC has to build locally in their backyard and instill some pride in the team, just like Pete Carroll did when he came. I mean, that's where he started building, and all of a sudden USC became really popular and winning national championships and kind of – allows you to go out of state and get a guy like Keith Rivers or Dwayne Jarrett. But at the end of the day, the Heisman Trophy winners, when you look at those jerseys, those guys are from California, and that's where you build at this program. And, and, you, and if you don't do it that way, uh, you, you're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of attrition and a lot of guys that, you know, are not going to be able to stick with it and under tough times, you know, be able to, to come, come out and perform and, and kind of put all this crazy stuff of sanctions and penalties aside. You know, those guys that are from California – this is their home, and I think there's just a little more for them, more more motivation for them to do well and to push through even the, top, even the tough times. All right. And then one last one, linebacker uh, Anthony Serraro. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Anthony Serro. Serro. Okay, sorry. What, uh, he, what he, he's, he's visiting USC this weekend. Um, it sounds like uh, another guy that's had a really good visit, and we'll kind of see what happens. Um, I – I think USC's in a real, real good position with him. Um, it really was one of those things where, you know, like Amir Carlisle committed to Stanford early in the process. Stanford's coaching situation changed dra- dramatically. I think people have to understand, you know, some coaching staffs, if you have a change at the head, at, at, at the top, you know, with, with the head coach, and you have a coordinator that comes in, it, you know, if the coordinator was very involved in the recruiting process, if, if you know, your, your assistant coaches were a big deal and it had a lot of, to do with, you know, kind of recruiting and the, the one-on-one with the, the kids, it may not be a, a huge impact on the recruits and the guys that you have committed. But when your head coach is such, a, such an icon, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh basically was with Stanford. Um, you know, Urban Meyer would be for, uh, for for Florida. Guys that are really hands-on involved in recruiting, it totally changes things. And then, on top of it, starts taking assistance away. You know, like the defensive coordinator, um, a couple assistant coaches are going with Jim Harbaugh to the 49ers. It really shakes things up. And I think with Cerro, it was all about the defensive coordinator, and if, uh, if Vic Faggio was staying at Stanford, I think Stanford would still be a big-time player there, but it seems that with him gone and them having to find a new coach to fill that role, it's really kind of set them back. And, you know, at this point, it's really, you know, USC and Stanford and Stanford really not having any kind of certainty in their situation. I will say, depending on who they get, if they get the coaches all lined up before signing day. And that's, you know, we don't know if that's going to happen. That's two days, this basically two weeks away. But if they're able to get those guys, you know, lined up, they may try to make another run at Amir Carlisle, and they may try to make another run at Anthony Sarrell. But having said where they are right now, and the question is, you know, where does USC stand right now? I think they stand in a really good position to get him committed. And at this point, kind of the only other school, you know, outside of Stanford. You know, UCLA tried to get into it. Uh, evidently, he canceled his visit to UCLA to visit USC this weekend. So, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, you know, the, the writing is on the wall a little bit. We just kind of have to see if Stanford's able to kind of make a counterpunch a little bit with the recruiting process and, and hire some assistants. And the, the tough thing is Stanford is not in that position of doing those things. I mean, basically, they, they promoted, you know, their, their offensive coordinator um, to be able to become the head coach. And now everybody has to kind of move up a step. So you do have some cohesiveness with the assistants, but at the same time, you're not bringing any kind of wow factor with the, with the football program. And I think that's, that's tough. When you, when you lose a guy like Harbaugh and you just kind of promote a lot of the assistants, you know, you, to, to keep some of those top guys that Harbaugh brought in, I think you need some wow factor. And I just don't foresee them being in a position to make those kind of hires to spend that kind of money. All right. Well, Gerard, awesome stuff, as always. We really appreciate all your recruiting insights. You seem to always know what's going on with all these kids. And uh, leading up to signing day, it should be really interesting. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com for all the latest stuff. He's always putting scoop on the Paris style. Check that out. Great stuff there. Thanks again, Gerard. All right. Thank you.
Everyone else, we really appreciate you listening to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm going on almost three years now, so we appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on peristylepodcast.com. Oh, and we have a, uh, a new Facebook page. If you go to Facebook slash Inside Troy, we have a new fan page up there. Our last one got suspended by Facebook. We're trying to get it back, but we haven't really had much response uh, getting that back. We, we're Hopefully, it wasn't some kind of hack job, but we're trying to look into all of that. But anyway... We have a new Facebook page, Facebook slash Inside Troy. Check that out. Check out peristylepodcast.com. And thanks for tuning in. Listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.